0: Hello and a warm welcome to Be A Bigger Fish. My name is Debbie and I'm the host of your podcast. This is a fascinating conversation with a gentleman called Anthony Vaughan or AJ. AJ hosts his own podcast called E1B2 and you'll find out what that relates to in the course of our conversation. But he's an expert on employee engagement or employee experience and internal communications and as a podcaster as you can imagine we had plenty to talk about. So listen in for some amazing advice about how to build emotional glue and again I'll let AJ tell you all about what that means and how that can benefit the levels of empathy and employee engagement in your organisation. He's also got some great tips for the use of audio in your internal communications and his aspirations for the workplaces of the future at the end are truly motivational. So I hope you'll really enjoy this conversation. Well, I'm delighted to welcome AJ to the podcast today. So AJ, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for uh, joining me or not joining me, bringing me on to today's episode. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's it's my pleasure. Well, AJ, would you like to introduce yourself and give us a glimpse into your professional background?
1: Yeah, so my name is AJ. Guys, uh, formerly professionally known as Anthony Vaughn, but we'll just keep it as AJ. I'm a uh, I'm a former and current entrepreneur now. So I say former because it's been a while since I've been an entrepreneur. I uh, I dropped out of university at 19. I started my very first company then. Um, I was a former American football player, built up a partnership with Under Armour that was very strategic, blew me away that I even was able to ink that deal. Um, And that allowed me to build a, a really respectable brand over the next 18 to about 20 months or so. At that time, I made a mistake with one of my I called him a partner but he was not a partner on paper so made a mistake with that I did not cultivate that relationship correctly he wanted to be an equity partner I declined that uh, I declined that offer from him and within 36 days uh, he left the company and then I always joke around and say within 36 seconds uh, it seemed as though the company went to zero mm-hmm. and that brand and that company and that atmosphere Uh, you know, Nike, Under Armour, athletes, they all follow the talent. They all are attracted to um, who is uh, a big time at the time. And uh, he was definitely on the rise. And there was a big mistake of mine. And so instead of crying about the business model aspect of it and how weak of a framework it probably was, I started to lean more into what could I have done better as a leader. And so I stumbled upon a couple of things like employee experience, HR, leadership, Went down a very deep three hours of studying everyday rabbit hole around all things those of those topics, uh, and I still keep that up to this day. So we're talking, I don't know, well over well over fifty thousand hours of research easily. I don't care if it's you know uh, a holiday, a birthday, Christmas. I don't care what it is. I have to get my three hours in. Um, other highlights of the story: started a second company at twenty-two, guys partnership consultancy firm did really well with that ran that for another two and a half years and then uh to wrap the story up guys i've spent the last five years being the vp of people for two startups and then inevitably starting uh the e1b2 collective uh around all things employee experience at an operational level for startups and small businesses and uh do a little speaking and podcasting on the side as well
0: that's fascinating does your background in sport you think inform your approach towards being a vp of people
1: Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I I think there's some natural leadership traits that you learn when you're a high level athlete and you're a leader on the team. I think there's some things that I probably learned along the way. I I think, I think my biggest skill though, as a leader is my ability to build relationships incredibly quickly, my ability to extract and, and completely eliminate all ego in the, in the relationship. And then my ability to withstand, uh, high levels of pressure and disappointment and fear and anxiety. I'm willing to, I have the ability to put a lot of that on my shoulders, which a lot of people don't have. So I think a lot of that came from sport for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that, that sounds like a great skill set for somebody involved in startups.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. It definitely is. And um, so I, I think, I think that was a, that was a nice one there. I think, I, I think I have some of that in me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, as an entrepreneur and as a VP of people, what was it that inspired you to start podcasting?
1: If you, if you know about my background, I'm, I'm a little bit of a hybrid, right? I'm a mm-hmm. entrepreneur and an operator at heart. Um, I'm, uh, I did not graduate from university. Still, I've not gone back. I study about three hours a week and chip away at a really traditional high level certification here in the States, but I still have not got that. And so I'm not a traditional by the books guy. And so, you know, when I made the shift over into being a VP of people, I did not have the traditional HR certification. I, I still to this day don't know all of the laws, all of the policies, all of the tech that support the industry. I'm very much, you know a practitioner in the moments where you get me in an executive room you put me in front of an employee you give me the task to set the strategy of the tone of the culture and how to operationalize that i can do it in my sleep but the other factors i can't and so for me when i started the podcast i really honestly in the beginning started to learn um i said what better way to learn from all these amazing CHROs and VP of peoples from all these great and amazing startup companies and big organizations. And and I wanted to ask them very detailed questions that there was very little wiggle room to give me a general answer. And I personally would listen to those episodes back to back to back on my drives, you know, to a friend's house or my drive just overall heading to work each morning or just you know you know taking a shower in the morning or just hanging around the house like i would listen to that content so it was very much of a need uh, and a desire to learn more um, and that's the best way that i learn is through that as well as experiences not the traditional education format
0: what a great idea and so did, did you find that you were learning through making the podcast you know kind of in two ways I guess about your subject matter but also about how to make a podcast
1: yeah yeah uh I, I learned yeah the park the podcast part I, I I really already had a couple frameworks in my mind of how I wanted to go about it I really love the Joe Rogan and Gary Vaynerchuk and a couple people like that where I look at their formats as very raw very little editing and just they just jump right in, and so that's kind of how I did it. So I still don't view myself as a podcaster, um, I still don't try to monetize the brand outside of the the anchor kind of sales thing that they ask you to put on there just because they want you to support their, their brand, which I, I love what they do, so I gladly did it. So, um, and then as far as learning the craft of the word of HR, I actually did two things. So I definitely learned, but what I did more than learn is I started realizing that my natural inklings and my natural perspectives were very opposite of the traditional norms. And so I actually started crafting and molding my new perspective. So I honestly started stripping away and ignoring probably 50 to 60% of what I was hearing and started, re- and started tweaking and adjusting the their frameworks that were very traditional and started putting my own spin on it. And so that's how I inevitably came up with the mantra that turned into a business practice of employees first, business second.
0: Yeah, I love that. And that's what E1B2 stands for, is that right? The name of your podcast?
1: Exactly, yep. As well as the name of the company, the E1B2 Collective.
0: Yeah, would you like to tell us a little bit about the ethos of E1B2?
1: Yeah, so uh, employees first, business second, if I understood that, just that without any best practices involved, I probably would have saved my business. Employees are literally not figuratively, not maybe, not a suggestion. They are literally the foundation and the backbone of a company. It's not even a a debate. And so if if that is the truth, and if that is the fact, then anything to do with finances, anything to do with marketing, anything to do with operations is executed by who? humans. And humans, last time I checked, are employees. And so if you want your marketing and your operations or your finance to be ran well and, and conducted with excellence, it's a good idea to take care of the brain. It's a good idea to take care of the minds, the perspectives, the spirits, the energies of those that are handling those tasks. And again, last time I checked, they're humans. And again, last time I checked, they're employees. And so at a very literal level, I believe employees go first. Now, how you go about that, a lot of people have different perspectives. But for me, um, I like to lean more on the side of empathy and things of that nature. And so the E1B2 Collective uh, is a very simple model. It's about four different companies right now, Project 2030, Beyond Resume, Beyond Brand, and then it's Startup EX. And all of these initiatives are all built around supporting the world of work through the lens of the startup and small business realms. And our goal and our mission is to, do everything in our power to change the dynamic around the employee experience, but do it in a very operational way so it sticks and it lasts forever. And um, there's a lot of different things that we do in that format. And then when I say we, every single initiative has either one to three co-founders involved so it's very much like a, a, a collective. At this point, it's about 12 of us. And then it's probably going to continue to grow as I come up with new ideas, new business models, um, new things to put in place. So it's very much a big team of us trying to take over the world of employee experience and, and do a good job of impacting the, the next 10 or 15 years of this this space.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And, and I'd recommend anyone who's working in the area of employee experience or employee engagement to tune into E1B2. I love the idea that you took it up as kind of a way to learn and a way to document your your learning journey. and um, That's very mm. much why I started my podcast too. So I, I really understand that. When you started out, did you invest invest a lot in the kit and the skills to actually make the podcast or were you more focused on the content and kind of all of that you, you picked up as you went along?
1: No, I was more focused on the content. Yeah, like I said, I, I utilize Anchor, which uh, allows me to just press a button on my phone and I can just talk into it and record it. Um, yeah. yeah. So the the technology of it. Um, yeah. I very much just focused on the content and the way that I wanted it to feel. Um, I just wanted it to be very, very tangible and practical. And so if you, if you guys ever get a chance to listen to it, the, the, the podcast is split into two different directions. It's about 60% solo episodes. So it's just me for six minutes three minutes seven minutes 12 minutes where i give i immediately say hey guys what's going on it's aj here back again with the e1b2 podcast and then i immediately jump right into content there's no fluffer no just i don't know like no bs conversations i I just go right into tactics right into frameworks right into nuances right into very tangible how to's that uh that um over the, over the course of the 227 episodes, a lot of people have appreciated it. And then the other 30, 40% of it is when I bring on those leaders to uh, have deep dive conversations. So I, I, yeah, the, the format is very, very much an authentic, tangible, tactical approach.
0: Yeah, I, and I really love the immediacy of them as well. And the fact that you know they vary so greatly in length. Um, yeah, I think that's really a, a, quite an interesting approach. And also I noticed that sometimes you use music and sometimes you don't. So is that a conscious decision? Do you have episodes where you feel like they need the sort of sparseness of it just being voice or you know what what inspires you to b- bring the music in when you do?
1: Yeah, I um I'm, I'm inspired by the music mainly due to a uh the, the subject matter so if it's a little if it's something a little bit more laid back something that you don't necessarily have to you don't have, have to listen to every single detail i might throw a couple a couple tunes on there to kind of make it a little bit more uh sonically pleasing but yeah when it's a really hard-hitting subject or i really want to make a point i won't have any music in the background and just go right in for the content
0: I think that's really interesting, actually, because I don't know of any other podcast series that's like that. I think most people like choose music and use music or or don't. Um, but I, I really like the fact that yours varies and you never quite know. I, I wonder whether it's going to be an episode with music or it's going to be just the talking.
1: Yeah, 100 percent.
0: So how would you say the podcast has evolved and how has the sort of evolution of your podcast maybe reflected how you've grown and evolved through the time you've made it?
1: Uh, it's an, it's evolving right now more towards supporting the E1B2 collective so um, and i'm actually saying this to myself that i need to start i actually that's not true i st- i actually have a couple episodes recently that were that were geared 100% towards my selfish desires to learn but it's starting to become a little bit more strategic to support the E1B2 collective efforts so what i also now use the podcast for and i would recommend any Body that's an entrepreneur uh, or a business person. I would recommend doing it this way. So the next probably the next thirty to fifty episodes are probably going to be fifty percent of those episodes are probably going to be startup leaders, operators, venture capitalists, angel investors, advisors, workshop hosts, anyone that's doing anything in the world of startup small business world, they're going to be on the podcast mainly to build a relationship with me. I am not a traditional sales guy. I build every single company through partnerships and collaborations, whether that's they have access to clients and a marketplace that I desire to have access to, whether that's they are feeling a technical need that I don't have, whether that's a combination of the two, whether they're just a great person to know from a lot knowledge perspective, and I ping their ear three to seven times a year, whether they have a big connector base, meaning maybe they don't have a brand that I can partner with, but they have connections to brands that do, and I can leverage that relationship to build connections. It's very, very strategic now. So I bring them onto the podcast to do this thing that I call build emotional glue, AKA just build a relationship. And what better way than to do that than to have a 60 to 90-minute podcast where you can just have a super authentic, relaxed conversation. They immediately get to check, 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 double-check, triple-check, and then (laughs) quadruple-check my my competence, my personality, my background, just to double-check if it's a good vibe and a good energy for what they want to be associated with longer term. And then we use it to just dive into ideas perspective strategies understanding their points of view so we so that it's more or less like we can knock out one of those first strategy call, strategy calls that you would have if you were trying to pitch someone to be a partner we kind of do that live bring value to the bring value to the listeners bring value to each other so it's very strategical now and so uh but that's not to say though that there's not a ton of content because i I mainly, 60% of it is mainly geared around unpacking what I need them to unpack for my own learnings and for, the, and for the, the, the listeners as well.
0: Yeah, excellent. And I guess, you know, that style of podcast you've just described, that's allowing people some insight into almost like an interview process or a kind of the beginnings of a due diligence process almost. So that's maybe territory that you wouldn't expect to hear broadcast publicly so that's really fresh approach
1: and and i do like behind the scenes as well so like i just i had one of the biggest keynotes of my career recently i I probably talked in front of not live obviously but there were probably there's probably going to be a total of thousands of people that listen to this to the to the the keynote over it's on demand and live version so i recorded it on my end and so i also there's Mm -hmm. probably four or five of those where i'll do like behind the scenes looks at uh, keynotes that I do I've literally recorded a strategy session That me and my partners have had before I'll just do a little behind the scenes stuff as well
0: Yeah, that, that's great And what do you think is the advantage of audio For sharing that type of content?
1: Uh, just the on-demand aspect of it Whenever they want to listen to it Pause it, stop it, rewind it They can um, YouTube does have that that version That you can like keep it going in the background But you have to pay for it And then just due to life nowadays you know, unless it's in the evening or early, early in the morning, no one really has time to sit down and watch a video on LinkedIn or watch a video on mm. Twitter or, or mm. watch a video on YouTube. So I just like the on-demand approach.
0: Yeah. And the fact that you can multitask, right, while you're you're yeah. taking in audio, yeah.
1: And because I, you know, another thing too is I understand the brain, right? I did a lot of research with the brain. And so um, a lot of it, you know, a lot of all that, con- all that content and all the information eventually seeps its way into the subconscious which, which drives, you know, 98% of your day-to-day conscious behaviors. And so I know that if I have it in my ear or if I have it, uh, yeah, if I have it on my ear while I'm driving or while I'm working out or, or, or cleaning the house, whatever the case is going to be, I know that, um, I know that inevitably it's going to influence the way that I work over the course of time.
0: Yeah. I I think I know what you mean. You know, the stuff that you listen to, you're kind of picturing that stuff at the same time you're listening to it. Right. So it's, you're creating the image of that in your mind um, exactly that that content stays with you i'm really intrigued by a phrase you used um, a couple of questions back which is that you like to build emotional glue and i'd really like to connect that with the work that you've done and the research that you've done around employee experience and employee engagement how do you think that leaders in organizations can build emotional glue with the people who follow them
1: Yeah, so I, you know, I need to make a shirt or a a sweatshirt or a hoodie or hat with that. Um, Yeah, a lot of people are telling me they've never heard that phrase before, and then when I say it and I break it down, they're like, "Oh, yeah, that's that's really good. I understand it." So uh, I probably need to do that. You're probably now literally the fiftieth person that said it. So just to give people a little bit of a definition, emotional glue, guys, is. Emotional glue is inevitably the connection that you have with another human, aka your employee or your your direct report or anyone you work with. And when you have emotional glue, that means you guys emotionally understand each other. You have empathy for each other. You respect each other's differences. You will at all times stop to listen. You will pause. You will reflect. You will do whatever it takes to make that person happy, that person comfortable, You also have the ability to work well with each other from an efficiency perspective because you can finish each other's sentences. You already know what they're thinking. You know how to communicate with them. You know how to not communicate with them. You know what they appreciate, what they don't appreciate. You know them. So that's just, you know, that's what emotional glue is. And inevitably, you know, when you're a leader, in order to get to that point, you have to go through a lot of hard work of having very ad hoc, organic, emotional based conversations you know understanding mm-hmm. what makes them different understanding their family understanding their backgrounds understanding how their background influences their their point of views today you know asking them you know this is some tangible stuff for a leader like asking your employees to tell you what they want to do and what they want to be and what they want to conquer in this world from a deliverable or tangible workflow or whatever it's going to be and then you going ahead and actually You know, executing that and showing them that you didn't just ask just because, but you are actually going to deliver. Um, That builds emotional glue. You know, doing things that you know are not scalable, but you know it's going to impact the hearts and the minds of those that you lead. Um, That's emotional glue. Uh, I'll give you guys one more, you know, trying to find any way possible to connect where you want to be as a leader in the company at a macro to the inevitable goals that your employees have and not being afraid if they inevitably walk away from the company or not being afraid if inevitably they decide that this is not the place for them or not being afraid to give all of your secrets away, you know, to your employees, because once they notice and understand those things, they are going to now have that emotional glue for you. And you're going to build that emotional glue. And so you're going to watch their engagement, their retention, their innovation, their ability to be productive, their ability to just add value. You're going to see those things spike through the roof. And so emotional glue is the most foundational part of being a leader, and it Just connected to speed and efficiency, and uh, that's needed to grow a big brand that produces a lot of cash.
0: So, AG, tell me what do you think is the importance of internal communication to any organization's effort to either create that emotional glue that you talk about or to improve employee experience?
1: I mean, I I I think internal communication is everything for a couple of different reasons. I think I think, you know, for me, when I think of internal communications, I think of a brand having an opportunity to communicate. I think it's an opportunity to be transparent. I think it's an opportunity to show behind the scenes. I think it's an opportunity to train at a passive level. I think it's an opportunity to provide updates that are contextual, right? That's one thing I probably want to see a little bit more of is I want to see I want to see leaders make the internal communications contextual to departments and contextual to actual job roles and titles within the organization, not just internal communications at a broad macro level over the over the whole landscape of the company. Um, I think internal communications is an opportunity for companies to show their personality a bit, to show that they are interested in the same types of things that the, that the employees are inevitably interested in as well. I've, I've seen some really interesting things with some companies here in the States where they have uh, a weekly playlist of music that uh, that is actually curated by the employees themselves. So it's like internal comms meets like a nice little culture hack. So I just think uh, internal comms I, I think it's, it's really, really interesting. But I think how it really Impacts the experience is when you dive into giving employees a behind-the-scenes look giving employees Tactics and resources and information that are going to help them excel their career Giving employees a little bit of an insight look into how managers think How man, what what managers are dealing with so that employees can navigate those realities within their own rights? Of how they're going to navigate and, and manage the manage the manager and, and deal with the manager and, and know how they're going to Navigate into that overall role and I think again I want to see internal comms get a little bit more context based and not so macro
0: but there's a a a real wealth of really great ideas uh, in everything that you just said i have to say do do you have much experience of working in or running internal comms or is it just something that you know complements the the stuff that you are inspiring leaders to do it
1: complements it and then um recently probably over the last 12 months i've talked I've talked at three internal comms events and then I have a lot of internal comm mentors behind the scenes that work with the collective that, that gives me a lot of insights and perspectives. And they were the ones actually that got me more excited about it. Cause they were like a lot of what you're talking about is so outside the box, but it very much fits into the intersection of internal comms and employee experience. And so I'm just all about, and if you can tell this from an internal comms perspective, I'm just all about transparency, communication, and education, and contextualizing as much as you can for a department or an, or an individual of one. I'm just, I'm just super fascinated, big company to small company, of how internal comms can be used to do those things. I'm just super fascinated by that because I, because I know how much it impacts the inevitable long-term experience of the employee.
0: Yeah, it does. It does. I think that's excellent. Thank you. If there's someone listening to this episode who is either an entrepreneur or who works inside an organisation and is desperately trying to do the, the job of building that emotional glue between their people and their organisation, if that person was thinking about adding audio into the mix or starting a podcast, what would be your top tips for them?
1: probably find an amazing person like you that can maybe help them on the production side or if they don't have the bandwidth for that i would i would honestly and i hate to keep giving them a plug i would really recommend anchor i think it's just a really organic way simple way to just spit out content very fast and uh i think that's a great use of of your time if you're a leader Of an organization especially from an internal communication standpoint you know there are certain we have about three to five best practices and just key things that we always recommend in the e1b2 collective and one of those is we always recommend companies build internal podcast that look and sound and feel like a lot of different things not just your traditional hey this is the updates you know hey this is x y and z not not your old dry Format it can be internal communications that is designed for a specific department or de, or or a particular type of employee where you're giving them the behind the scenes playbook on how you are processing decisions, how you guys are thinking through career mapping, you know the the next six to twelve, you know um, potential promotions or. or workforce gaps that are going to be within the brand over the next 12 to 18 months and you know what do you what, what you guys are thinking about as it pertains to what type of person would inevitably fill those roles you know the internal communications you should you provide should give your employees hope should give your employees understanding behind the scenes looks should give your employees education uh should update your employees on things so they should do a lot of good stuff and you know this debbie and so i know i kind of went off in a little bit of a rant there but i would recommend anchor and then I would recommend truly considering starting an internal comms podcast within your company uh, for your people.
0: Wow, that was super helpful. So what are your aspirations for either the near future or the longer term future AJ? What would you like to be doing personally and what would you like to see happen in terms of like workplace relations and the the relationship between people and the places where they work?
1: personally you know i i'll be vulnerable here personally i just want to uh i just want to run a successful business for the next 10 or 15 years i made a really big mistake early in my career that i still regret to this day you know that company should probably still be around i hit a roadblock and a burnout with my second company um that i have now much older understand how to navigate that and avoid burnout Um, So this time around, I just want to really just want to build something that financially takes care of all of my partners and employees. And then most importantly, I just want to be able to provide myself and the world, something that I know is just going to help so many people from an employee experience perspective. But again, being selfish for just a moment, I just want to produce something that's consistent. I want to build a lot of great things, and I just want to prove to myself that this can be a long-term career option and not just uh, something that I can do for a three-three month, three-year type sprint. I want to kind of prove to myself that if this can be a sustainable entrepreneurial model forever, and then. As it pertains to the work that we're doing, I really, really, really want to see the world of work from an employee experience perspective, just get super simple and super practical and do what you would do for your brother, your sister, your father, your uncle, whatever the case is going to be. Like I'm actually looking at our our document right now. I just want to see more employee experience audits getting done. I want to see the world of the VP of people or CHRO role be more strategic and realistic to what it actually should be. I want to see the onboarding of, of how you onboard employees get much more empathetic and much more transparent and much more um, in-depth to the desires and the perspectives of that new hire coming on board. I want to see companies get really intentional about career mapping around the selfish desires of the employee and not the selfish desires of the organization. I want to see companies do life checks and get very empathetic to the realities of an employee's life and try to figure out operational, consistent ways to benefit and impact that life and and make sure that it also benefits and impacts the the organization. My goal is to have so much energy and focus on what the employee needs, but also make sure that the business is taken care of by focusing so much on the employee. I always joke around people. It's not E1. I very much, I very well could have. And that's kind of a cool name. I could, I could have named the company E1. And it, it, well, what's that? Employees first. Everything we do is to put the employee first. But that's not true. It's E1 B2. Because you guys got to remember my background. I'm very much of an operator. I'm very much of a founder. I'm very much of an entrepreneur. Everything that I believe in is to put the employees first. To inevitably impact the emotional aspect of the humanity of the employee, but also to make them more productive employees to drive more revenue for the company and so i just want to see more of that intersection and i want to bring more practicality out of the box thinking more empathy to the word of work at a very strategic operational level so it's not something we have to remember it's something that we just do consistently because it's in the operational fabrics
0: that's a great way of looking at it actually that it's not something we have to remember it's not something we should be prompted to do it just should be the way things are done um, exactly. Yeah, it's a great way of looking at it. And I really, out of all those amazing things that you listed, I love that idea of employee life checks. Maybe what's happened in the past year with the lockdown and people having to work remotely, and obviously there being more concern about people's well-being and the vulnerability of that. I think organisations have had to take a look at this concept of life checking and being aware more of Um, an employee's personal circumstances and immediate surroundings where they're working away from the workplace and do you think this year has shaped the way employees are seen by organizations at all?
1: You want to know what I honestly think? Let me just be truthful here. What I honestly think is I I think I honestly think the human race has woke up around a lot of things you know, color of skin related work related things of that nature but you know what I honestly think? I honestly think companies We'll soon forget this year and possibly next year. Once we figure out a way to go back to some sort of normalcy, my gut feeling believes at a macro level, not much will change. That's honestly what my gut tells me. So I just want to be very vulnerable and truthful on, on this episode because you know what? You know what I've actually found? into a really comfortable groove of being. I've been very comfortable being the honest bad guy. Um, all of my partners say that I'm such a negative Nancy. I just feel like I'm a realist. Mm-hmm. I frankly uh, I frankly don't like to hear everyone saying the same positive, great things. I like, I like the truth. I always tell to my partners I don't care what, I don't care what it is that's going on in your life. I just want to know the truth so I can be empathetic and react to that truth. Doesn't matter if it's good or bad. You tell me right now you want to leave the company forever. You tell me right now you want to figure out a way to make a million dollars in salary in the next 30 seconds. Whatever the truth is, I just want to know it. And I mm-hmm. feel like we need to get more into that place. And I just I think the truth is that most businesses at a macro level, not a micro, macro level, once this world gets a grappling on what's happening, they're going to go back to just pushing through and, and doing mm-hmm. what's best for the, for the business. Um, And let me just add one little thing on the life check part to give you guys a very tangible action that can be operationalized every 90 days, something happens in your life that can affect your point of view of your current job, your point of view of yourself, something could impact your need or lack of your need or lack thereof of finances. Like you may need a spike in your finances. You may want to restructure your position to build more autonomy and more flexibility because of your kids' reality, your husband's reality, your wife's reality, something that's happening in your own personal perspectives of where you want to be in your career. Every 90 to 120 days, I think, I think something occurs that Mm -hmm. can potentially impact how an employee shows up to work. Companies need to put on the calendar 90 to 120 day life check hour meetings where the entire conversation is around what is going on in your life right now that is super vulnerable, super sensitive, that you feel comfortable enough to give me a bird's eye view of what that is. And you let me know back to the truth part, what the reality is, what the truth is, so that we as a company can brace ourselves to navigate that truth good, bad, or indifferent, we're going to respect it. We're going to appreciate it. We're going to love you. We're going to have empathy. We just got to know what the truth is. You have no idea how much that can really help the bottom line. People will have higher levels of retention. People will jump into different roles that are more geared towards their passions as their productivity will increase. People will leave the company six months prior than they probably should have. Thus, you get back those six months to put in someone that is much more productive for that role. People will just... I, I, I could go on for days. So, it's just a good idea at operational business level. And it's a great idea at the human level.
0: I love that idea. And, and I think of all the things that you've spoken about, that that is how people on a one-to-one level will build that emotional glue. Yeah, excellent. This has been an amazing conversation and I'm so grateful to you for, for joining me and for allowing me to record this conversation. But if anyone who's listening would like to hear more and find out more about you, where's the best place for people to look you up?
1: uh you can find me on linkedin uh it's anthony vaughn v-a-u-g-h-a-n is the last name uh you can find me on the e1b2 podcast on all major platforms uh i'm on twitter at e1b210 and hopefully i'll be working more with you so if you guys want to check me out i'm sure debbie can give you my contact information as well so i just want to continue to try to bring value and uh do my part to to improve organizations through employee experience
0: that's fantastic thank you so much
1: I really appreciate it. It was great.
0: I'd like to say a massive thank you to AJ for that conversation. There were so many points in there that I found really thought provoking, and I hope it's given you some motivation and some great ideas to take into your professional practice too. As always, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate each and every listen the podcast gets. And thank you too to anybody who posts those fantastic, encouraging comments on social media. I know that the guests on my podcast appreciate it just as much as I do. So really a heartfelt thank you. There's a fab episode coming up shortly and I have to say that will be the last episode of this season. It's been an amazing season so far. I hope you'll enjoy the last one and I'm looking forward to seeing you then. Thank you very much and bye bye for now.